Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. So I'm so glad to have Zach Cooperstein here with me in New York. Welcome to my podcast, Zach. Thank you. Yeah, good to be here. Zach is a cinematographer. His uh, approach to visual storytelling is through the eyes of the audience. What do they need to see and when do they need to see it? In 2016, uh, he burst onto the field with the Southern Gothic film The Eyes of My Mother. His work earned him nominations for Best Cinematography at the 2017 Independent Spirit Awards and Best Cinematography debut at the Camera Image International Film Festival. Zach followed up with a film called Jonathan, a dark science fiction tale about two brothers who share the same body. The film stars Ansel Elgort and Patricia Clarkson, premiered at the 2018 Tribeca Film Festival, and he recently wrapped photography on a fourth film called Callahan. And when he is not at work, he plays board games, builds furniture, and rides his bike. Yeah. <laughs> Great, Zach. You have a good interesting, dynamic life. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think so as well. <laughs> I hope so. What, what is it to be a cinematographer? To kind of explain cinematography to those not in the film industry, it's a little tricky, but if you imagine when you watch a film, the look and feel of the film, the visual element of the film is sort of directed by the cinematographer, which is synonymous with director of photography. Um, so my role is to collaborate with the director to build a shot list and figure out how we're going to use the camera to tell the story, mm -hmm. and then to work with my lighting team to design the lighting and set the mood and tone and feel of, uh, of each scene. Wow. And what education did you do in order to be able to do this? Uh, well, I went to NYU and studied uh, film and television production as an undergraduate student, but uh, I would say most of my learning came from working on set and uh, just by being in the ethos of filmmaking for a long time and mm. being mentored by uh, many of my peers and people who are older than me who I had an opportunity to work for. And what would you say is your passion, you know, something that you're really also willing to kind of suffer for if needed? My passion is making movies, and I think that that's kind of twofold. It's, there are two things I enjoy about making movies. One is visual storytelling and being able to use vision to describe a narrative and to lead an audience through an emotional experience, whether it's a very intimate perspective with the character or uh, something more plot-driven. Just being able to use visuals to get somebody to have a feeling is sort of what I'm after. And then... Uh, in tandem with that, I really enjoy the work I do because of the creative collaboration I get to do, the sort of real-time problem-solving that's required on set with other people. So I like building off of a vision that's been created by a director and mm. kind of set in motion by a script and uh, trying to improve on that and making it more efficient for storytelling purposes and more beautiful for uh, as a visual experience. Mm. But that collaboration and being able to build off of each other is very satisfying to me. And and then also being able to work with my crew and uh, help them generate great ideas and use those great ideas and see what we have in front of us and use that to make something special. If a company would contact you in order to make a film about them or oh, like about a commercial, commer no, or commercial or just or some kind of a documentary, mm -hmm. that's also interesting for you. Yeah, I do all mm -hmm. kinds of work. I enjoy each realm of cinematography and filmmaking in different capacities. So. 
Typically, you would kind of divvy up the film industry between narrative work, documentary work, and commercial work, and then maybe music video work as well, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of get different satisfaction from each of those. I find the narrative uh, stuff is most creatively satisfying um, because of the storytelling element. But when you're able to tell a story in any of those other capacities, that's exciting as well. And from a commercial perspective, I really enjoy oftentimes the resources that are allotted to do that are more than you would find uh, when doing a, a narrative project. Um, so you get a chance to play and mm-hmm. uh, experiment with something visually. Mm-hmm. So there can be some really cool stuff that you can accomplish commercially that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. It also sort of exists in a, a space that isn't necessarily tied to the real world. So oftentimes you can go in a studio and sort of paint with light in a black box. And that's a lot of fun to just experiment in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so commercials and music videos sort of both have those upshots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then documentary um, is really satisfying because you get to explore a world that I wouldn't otherwise be able to to explore. I am just kind of brought along to learn about, learn something from experts in the field of whatever it may be, whether you know, it could be an interview with... Uh, so uh, a few months ago, I worked on a, a sort of branded content documentary piece about the New York Stock Exchange, and we were allowed access to the stock exchange floor, and we filmed on the floor there and kind of got an intimate view of how exactly the goings-on go on there. That access is something that I would not otherwise be granted. Um, mm-hmm. So that's such a unique experience to documentary. And as a cinematographer in documentary, I don't have to do the work of getting that access. And I kind of just get to be an observer and absorb whatever information uh, is coming in. So it's a real opportunity to just learn about the world. But from a craft perspective, I personally find it very challenging because I'm not necessarily as good at uh, finding a beautiful image in a moment. I'd rather have some control over that. So it's sort of why I, I tend towards and prefer narrative. But the world experience you get from doing doc is unmatched. So, is there any recent uh, music videos that you've been working on? Yeah, done something that anybody in Europe would know about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, uh, but possibly. Um, I recently shot a music video for an artist named Aloe Black. Um, he has a song coming out called uh, Brooklyn in the Summer um, that's going to be released probably in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty good about that music video. Mm-hmm. That was a fun time. <laughs> And what about transformation and, you know, transformational points in your life? Which ones have influenced you the most so far? To answer that question, I think about, like, who am I today and why am I that way today, right? Mm. It sort of requires a little bit of, like, a telling a story of kind of where I came from and, like, how, how it came to be and, like, what are the key elements there that really shape my perspective on the world. And I think because filmmaking is my passion, I think the thing that, that turned me on to that early on was sort of a just in experimenting with different activities when I was younger and latching on to film by doing a uh, summer camp. I did a summer camp for filmmaking and it was sort of a personal experiment. I was like, oh, can I really get into this uh, for a month? It was a one month commitment. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this for a month. Mm-hmm. And it's super intensive and I'm only gonna live and breathe filmmaking for this whole month. And at the time I was also interested in woodworking and I still am. And um, I was interested in dance and uh, there were some other things that were floating around. I was like, oh, these are cool things that I could see becoming a career or a passion. But that one month of going to uh, New York Film Academy in Massachusetts really opened my eyes to like, oh, I, this is the thing I want to do. This is absolutely the thing I'm meant for. And a huge part of that was just the collaboration with the people uh, that I was going to camp with, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they, those are people that I'm still friends with today and still collaborate with some of them, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And seeing their passion for making movies and that 
kind of bouncing off of my passion for making movies was just like built such an energy that was that kind of became addictive and I was like oh I really just always want to do this this is the thing um, so that was a, a pretty formative experience in terms of setting me in the direction of this is definitely the thing I wanted to do and then at a certain point when I moved to New York it was a similar experience where it's like okay I'm trying this new thing out and found that the city provided a certain amount of energy that I thrive on that like I, I love all the people around and kind of the constant hustle and you know I live in Brooklyn now where it's a little less populated than when I started in, in Manhattan but it's still there's always people everywhere and so many different people and the diversity in New York is unmatched in the world it's just I think there's like 700 different languages spoken in New York and like yeah. that's astounding um, so the fact that I could turn a corner and and see you know 20 different people that are so drastically different and would never otherwise be crossing paths is just exciting and stimulating and means that the door is open to run into any of those people meet those people and get to know their stories and hopefully collaborate with those people um, or anybody. So, but, you, um, but you were brought up in, in Boston, right? Uh, yeah, I grew up in Massachusetts outside of Boston. And I think part of my wanting to go to New York was from growing up in the suburbs. I was like, oh, I really need to get out of the suburbs. I found it very boring and uh, kind of restraining and too safe. And I yearned for some kind of danger and excitement and something drastically different. And that's what I got. <laughs> Not that it's dangerous, but... So that was definitely a big turning point. And then this thought has come to me recently, actually, a friend of mine, we were talking about sort of progressing in our careers and like, how do you, it feels like we're at a new phase right now. And his, his realization or his metaphor for it was that we are uh, freshmen again, essentially. And each time that I've been a freshman in my life, I think has been a, a really transformative point. So it's easy to say, okay, well, when I was a freshman at NYU, that that was clearly a, a turning point, but it had to do with coming to New York and all that. And the reason for why that becomes a transformational point is because you're forced to learn this new system. You feel like, oh, I've I've mastered my world. I, I know, you know everything about this thing that I'm doing. I do it pretty well and I'm pretty efficient at it. And suddenly I've leveled up, but when I've leveled up, I'm now at the bottom of that new totem pole. Mm -hmm. And by being at the bottom, I'm forced to kind of redefine myself or recreate how I go about things. And each time I've had to do that, whether it's going to NYU in the beginning or after graduating and trying to figure out how to be a freelancer. And then uh, more recently in the wake of, of recent successes, it's been like, okay, I'm now propelled into this new <laughs> new realm where I have to uh, live up to those standards a little bit and adjust my expectations and about different projects I take and sort of uh, slow down my pace a little bit and become accustomed to that. So right now I feel like I'm at a transformative point in my life that is something that I haven't quite figured out yet, but and so I'm still a freshman. I'm not, I haven't graduated uh, or moved on to mastering this part of my life yet, but it feels like an opportunity to grow and that growth will hopefully come by me accepting that I need to learn again <clears throat> and not become complacent in mm -hmm. you know the world I'm in and find the easy things easy I should be challenged so that's sort of right now and then I would also say just to kind of add on to that that up until about a year and a half or two years ago I would say everything was going pretty well it felt like through my life I hadn't had too many challenges like serious challenges or too many traumas or anything really bad happened to me. I, so I feel pretty lucky to have mm -hmm. had things pretty good so far. But the, about a year ago, I kind of call 2017 my year of loss. It you know started with kind of losing a, a collaborator. We kind of uh, haven't worked together 
since then there was sort of a falling out. And then there's, uh, I lost a, a lover at the time. So we broke up and then that was very stressful. I didn't have a lot of work in uh, 2017 and that was kind of stressful and was coming out of that expectation that uh, I was setting for new projects. And then uh, near the end of the year last year, I lost uh, my best friend from growing up. Uh, he passed away from suicide. And that was that was really tough to deal with. And it was like, mm-hmm. okay, now I've kind of gone through all of these different losses in different realms of my life. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I need to kind of reinvent. And that happened in the fall of last year. And I was like, okay, it's officially 2018 in my head. I kind of made that decision at that point. And part of getting through that year and getting to the other side of it and trying to make the best out of all of that loss was kind of accepting that like, yeah, you know, this is like a down point in my life, but everybody has had those down points. And I have been so fortunate to have not had too much of that so far. And that this is the only way to kind of get to the other side of that is to look ahead and be like, okay, how can I improve? How can I, you know, change my circumstances or improve my circumstances actively? If I were to just kind of sit there and be like pouting, like, oh, everything's bad. I wouldn't get anywhere. So kind of by mentally saying, okay, this is now in 2018, things are doing pretty well. And then only uh, two months ago, uh, my father passed away as well. So I've been like, like another loss. It's okay. But at this point, you know, because I've, I have had a year of loss, which was very transformational. I feel, I feel like now I'm accustomed to that experience and kind of have the tools at my disposal to deal with that. And hopefully going forward, as, I, as I'm sure everybody else does, will experience more loss in my life in a variety of ways. I'll be uh, not so bogged down by it and ready to just continue doing what I do. So I think that as a freshman in this realm of my life, you know, I'm ready to continue to learn um, and to continue to figure out what tools are necessary to get beyond that. But yeah, I would say this last year of loss has been a pretty uh, transformational point as well. Mm-hmm. Just looking forward, I guess. Yeah. How are <clears throat> how are people in in your reality in your industry? I mean, generally talking, is it a helpful environment? Will people help each other, or is it very ego driven, if I may say so? It's a little bit of both. Um, there are definitely a lot of egos in the film industry, and I feel like that can be challenging, but it's kind of necessary. There's a certain amount of competition because everybody mm-hmm. wants to be doing the jobs. But once you get the job, you have to collaborate. It's the only way to, to make something good and successful. Um, so there's sort of a give and take with that. A lot of people who are listening to this podcast are from, you know, in business leader positions, uh, leaders, however you, however you define mm-hmm. those. What long-term solution or what long-term formula for businesses or organizations, for that matter, do you believe in from your perspective? So I wouldn't call myself necessarily a business leader, but I definitely, in my job, am in a leadership position and mm-hmm. uh, take a lot of pride in that leading my team. Um, I have a lot of crew members that work for me and and we have to collaborate and there has to be a give and take to make that collaboration successful and kind of be able to achieve the vision I have and the vision that the director has. So I think that uh, in terms of a long-term formula for success there, the egos do have to be put away a little bit. And you can have a strong ego in the short term and have a lot of success, but I think that's going to come back to bite you in the end. So being able to kind of put away the ego and be open to everybody else's ideas can really lead to long-term success where you're going to have lasting collaborations and lasting uh, trust from people who work for you and who you work for. If you can kind of say like, okay, like I'm not better than anybody else because I'm the leader. I'm just happened to be like 
put in this position where I'm, I'm doing this. And there's a lot of people who are more experienced than me, but I also know that I'm pretty experienced as well. And it takes a certain amount of like, okay, I have confidence that I'm doing my job well, but I also have to trust that these people are doing their job well and therefore we can give and take. Do you have a, a dream project or a dream film or something that you would like to do? Yeah, actually, uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I was just talking with a friend right before this about what makes a perfect project, like mm-hmm. what what is the ideal? And he took it from somebody else and I forget where it came from, but the idea is that uh, a dream project would be one where everybody you're working with mm-hmm. is better at their job than you would be doing their job. So. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes when you're doing a film or any kind of project, it can be very frustrating to watch somebody do a job and you're like, man, I would be better at that. Like, I wish I could just do that for them because it would be much better if I just Mm -hmm. handled it. Um, So the ideal situation is where you never have to say that you think that uh, about anybody. And in film that could be, you know, my focus puller is a much better focus puller than I would be, or the director is is much stronger visionary than I would be, or the producer is uh, really much more organized and and on point in getting things together than I would be. And that sort of allows me to then be really good at just my job. So the perfect project to me is, is one where all those pieces come together and everybody is doing really well at their individual job. And then in terms of like, the ideal film to be a part of, I think it's hard to define because I'm kind of waiting for that to pop up. You know, it's not as the seed person, I'm not the person who creates the film from scratch. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I'm kind of looking for a script that really moves me and like has some effect on me so that I can then participate in that and, uh, and find a director who has a vision that I find really fascinating and moving so that I can help accentuate that. So, yeah. And how do people in this business find each other? Uh, It's mostly word of mouth. The phrase is uh, work brings work. So uh, when you're on set, you meet, you know, maybe you're bringing on half the people or you know half the people already, but then there's another half of those people that you don't know and you get to meet them. And then hopefully you get to work with one of them in the next thing. Mm -hmm. And then there's sort of a referral system of like, oh, do you know anybody? I'm looking for somebody to do X, Y, and Z. Like, do you know anybody? And it's like, oh, well, I can vouch for this guy or this girl because like they did a great job and I can tell you about how they did a great job and you should definitely work with them. So that's how I get work and that's how I get other people work. And yeah. So in that sense, it's very similar to a, to a normal business environment, I would say. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's no, uh, there's no sort of like formal application process usually. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever really applied for a job. I've had job interviews where we like, yeah. talk with a, director about a project before getting the job but for the most part it's just kind of recommendations mm-hmm. but if you would assume that you have all kinds of doors open to you and and all sorts of resources available what would you then innovate or change whether it's in your world or if it's outside within my world it's something that i'd like to see different and be able to be the one kind of pushing for this would just be a friendlier environment on film sets and more cooperation and less egos. I think that there's a lot of pressure on film sets and a lot of stress that can build up very quickly. And it makes for sometimes a very aggressive situation because problems have to get solved and somebody's going to get exploited or screwed over in the process. But I hope that in the future there can be some kind of model for a film set that doesn't have to uh, exploit people or doesn't have to uh, take advantage of resources um, and just can uh, exist comfortably and uh, people can be friendlier with each other. So that's kind of like if there were unlimited resources, that's really the most desirable thing because then 
that friendlier environment can really allow for a more creative environment. I find like much more creative enthusiasm for something when I'm in a good mood or when you know somebody is uh, supportive of that creativity. Is there any one piece of advice that you would give to people who are leaders? Um, and what would that be? I think listening is probably the most important thing, mm-hmm. but listening to the people below you, I guess, as a leader, but also the people above you, you kind of need to be a listener in both directions mm-hmm. and to absorb a lot of information before coming down and making a decision about something mm-hmm. because everybody uh, who's working for you hopefully has a good uh, opinion about something. Mm-hmm. And I think that the best way to go about making it known to people that you are listening is to treat everybody like they're your friends. And in film, there's I don't really call anybody coworkers. Um, we're just friends. Uh, so these are the people that I hang out with and also the people that I work with. There's just so much crossover. And that may not be healthy in other industries, but I think it works really well in film because, because of that referral and constantly everybody's always trying to get a job here and there. But when it comes to being productive and making the film, if I can treat everybody like my friend and we can just be like, oh, we're just buddies like hanging out, then I think we can be a lot more productive and successful in our endeavors. And part of that is transparency. Mm-hmm. I think uh, being really honest with people and not hiding any bits of information from anybody, I don't, I don't really see the need for uh, secrecy most of the time. It seems like if there's a need for secrecy, it's because somebody's getting screwed over and you don't want them to know about it. And that shouldn't be the case. So if something is difficult is happening and I'm being dealt cards that are challenging and cause me to have to like react in a challenging way to my crew, I'd rather tell them like, hey, here's what's going on. This is why this interaction's happening right now. And I'm asking you guys to go above and beyond or work harder than you would otherwise work. But if I give them the reason that that's coming at me and it's not just me asking them to do that, they're going to respect me a lot more because they see that I respect them with that information. Um, so I think transparency kind of equals respect and equals being friends and all that comes from listening. And Sure. And also, I mean, whenever we can get away with, you know, take away the fearful anxiety kind of situations, then people can also express the best in themselves and do the best job and all. So it's like releasing a lot of potential by making sure that there is no such thing in the room. Exactly, yeah. Supporting the people that are working for you um, as they support you. Mm-hmm. What about if you would give uh, an, uh, some kind of advice to yourself, let's say 10 years ago or so? What would it be? That's tricky. I feel like, I think the when I was younger, the thing that I was learning quickly and would have preferred to learn a little bit quicker would be to just define myself as what I want to be earlier. And the idea of an aspiring something kind of sounds like a wannabe something. And instead of saying I'm a student of something, I, I just am that thing, which in my example, it was I'm not an aspiring cinematographer, I'm a cinematographer. And once I owned that identity, I was seen by the outside world uh, much faster that way and was able to get work in that context as well. So I wish that I had been able to tell myself to take ownership of that identity earlier even if it didn't at first feel like it felt a little bit like a lie because I was still figuring it out. And it, you know, I can't really say I'm a cinematographer when I see these other guys who are clearly those guys who are cinematographers. But like mm-hmm. when I 
took ownership of that and decided I am this, then things changed and other people saw me that way. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. The other thing I would say is to just watch more movies. I went through a period of not watching a lot of movies and I regret that. <laughs> so wh- why is that important? Um, Maybe it, it looks seems so obvious, but why? Yeah, uh, just to draw reference from and to be able to analyze things and to call back on films. There are so many times I'm talking with a director and they reference a film and I'm like, man, I haven't seen that. And then I have to go and watch it. And that takes, you know, two hours or whatever. Um, so if I had spent those hours of that I have to do now to catch up on watching all these films, if I had spent those earlier, that would have been easier. What do you think is the most important thing for the film industry to focus on right now? The film industry could benefit from more respect, both up and down, which is similar to kind of what I was suggesting to mm-hmm. leaders. Mm-hmm. I think that the Me Too movement is kind of spawned from the film industry, but it exists in other industries. And that to me comes from a lack of respect of human beings. And I think that that same kind of situation applies uh, with crew members and their safety on set. I think that um, the hours that crews are required to work are sometimes inhumane. And I think in order to generate that, the entertainment and the those hopeful messages in the creative environment, we shouldn't have to uh, you know, have people dying or people uh, being harassed or people being assaulted. And mm-hmm. I think that just kind of more respect for people who are starting up in the industry um, is gonna lead to a healthier industry. I would also say that there isn't a need to push that hard to get the same results. I've seen, you know, what, uh, we have a standard 12 hour day and that shouldn't be standard. And I've seen those 12 hour days, time just getting wasted. And mm-hmm. it's kind of because of a lack of preparation on behalf of the leaders of mm-hmm. getting things moving. And I think that with better preparation, we can cut down on the number of hours and still achieve the same thing. Mm-hmm. And when you go over, over time that much and really you're working your crew that hard, uh, it creates unsafe environments. It creates people who are not as excited to be in the industry. Um, at times it can be demeaning work that should be treated more carefully and compensated more uh, appropriately or just with general respect. And I think production assistants in particular are probably not treated very well and taken advantage of. And they're sort of treated like slave labor on set. And it's like, that's not really an appropriate way to, to treat an employee. And even though it's a short-term employee, it's like, this is their living and this is how people are trying to make it in the film industry and we're kind of stepping on top of them and and not giving them good working conditions. So yeah, I think just uh, improving that feeling and like I said earlier, just kind of a friendlier attitude and reduced hours I think can really uh, make for a healthier industry and still accomplish the same things. What about European film uh, industry? Uh, Have you any experience of how, how it is, if there is any different from here or? There are some differences uh, in just kind of the structure of the crew. Who does exactly what job is altered a little bit. Other than that, I don't know much about the difference, so I can't really speak on that. But but I do know that in uh, China, in particular, the working conditions are not very good in, in the film industry, and because there are a lot of a lot more people uh, applying for fewer jobs, the people who get those jobs are treated as expendable and mistreated. Film definitely has, because it's an art that is consumed by a lot of people, Mm. um, definitely has potential for a huge impact on people's feelings about different issues politically or at large. Mm. And because of that, I think that 
filmmakers and writers especially have a responsibility to craft stories that are sending messages that have good values. Mm. I mean, a good value is kind of uh, a relative thing though. So, you know, I think that as a filmmaker myself, I think that uh, it's important for me to kind of judge the value of a project and decide whether or not I want to align myself with that. So I have a responsibility of that, but it's pretty hard to define how my work can by itself impact somebody. And, you know, to me, the the best impact is when I can have any effect on somebody and have them feel a feeling and feel it strongly because of something they're watching. And that, you know, the reason that they're watching that is often for entertainment. And it could be, you know, the feeling of fright. Um, it could be a feeling of sadness or it could be a feeling of joy. And um, if I can, by somebody just watching images, if I can cause that feeling in them, that's very satisfying for me. And if we can then craft those feelings around around a message, like a, a kind of moral implication, mm. then we can kind of alter or impact people's moral opinions at large. But it's very uh, hard to define how exactly and to what extent. Uh, so Zach, to end off on a, on, a, on a big question, what do you think the world needs the most at this time? Things that are pushing us forward are good progress and, and good are kind of aligned in my morality. But I think the things that lead to that are curiosity and a want to learn. And I think that that requires a sort of openness from our world leaders that doesn't really exist right now. I feel like um, oftentimes leaders are not so interested in progress or they are influenced by a lot of outside forces. And I think that that can be very frustrating as a not world leader, as a world follower, I guess, as a mm -hmm. citizen of the world, when I don't really understand why a decision is being made. Maybe something else that the world needs right now is more transparency. I think that there's a huge lack in visibility about what is happening at the upper echelons of our government, of our world leadership, and about the interactions that happen between uh, nations, and about where money goes. This is a big question, and that's probably the easiest way to have accountability. Like we have the internet, everything should be documented and searchable by anybody. And it kind of comes back to my feeling about secrecy and transparency as a leader with my crew. It's like the only reason that you would want to have a secret is if you're not doing something good. If you're doing good things, then there's no reason for a secret around something. So if I'm a leader, I should be able to tell everybody this is why I'm doing these things. And if that's not clear to me as a citizen of the world, then I think we have a problem with the transparency in our leadership. Um, I also think, and going back to the idea of curiosity and moving things forward, I think we should in general be looking more towards the uh, out into space. I think that our worldview is very limited to our world. And it would be nice to see more interest internationally about how we can think of ourselves more as a human nation, like we are a global society, which has been brought together a lot by the internet, but still has a lot further to go to really see ourselves as that. And how we exist as a society at large in the context of our universe, I think is significant to consider in the very long run. I would say there probably is some kind of uh, intelligent societies out there and we should start thinking about how we're prepared to interact with them. But first we need to kind of come together as, a, as humans and figure ourselves out. Mm.
Yeah, because we are all part of the same ocean. I mean, we're all drops in the same ocean. Yeah. So whatever we do, good or bad to each other, will eventually you know, hurt the whole. So definitely. Thank you so much, Zach. How was it to be on the podcast, by the way? Uh, this was fun. Yeah, fun to just uh, think about uh, what I do and try to express that and and then try to put that in the context of the rest of the world because my my world is mostly in film and it's mm. don't often look outside of that. Um, mm. And I almost wish we could go back and maybe I think more about that, you know, how, uh, how film impacts the world. But uh, it's not something I think about on the regular. So thank you for opening my mind to that. <laughs> thanks, Zach. Yeah, you're a wonderful person. So thanks for sharing. To find out more about Zach and his work, you can head to zachcooperstein.com and Cooperstein with, with a K. And also follow him on Instagram. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been great. <laughs> thanks. So remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And I also truly appreciate if you share this episode with the people you know who would benefit from hearing it. Thanks for listening. And until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao. Ciao.